Once again, welcome to those who've joined us online and will be joining us online. It is so uh, affirming and, and encouraging when we hear from you and you tell us that something helped you that week or that you're learning from it or just that you're taking your time to be with us. Thank you for that. Those of you who are here, thank you again so much. This whole family of Touch Heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for an affirming word now one that begins to open up our hearts and minds. We don't need to rush it, Father, for we're timeless. And that, Father, we know time must conform to us, not us to time. So we thank you, Lord, to all that you've done, all that you're going to do. Transform us, change us, let your word be sharp and powerful. And to you alone, and you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. What I wrote to you was about a bear right? So if we could turn the lights out a second. The theme is get bigger than the bear. How many of you read it? How many of you don't receive the e-blast? All right, fix that. And if you get them, do me a favor. Just, you know, don't stick it right down into your junk, right? We spend time on that for you. Yes, we do. Every Friday night, I don't lay down until I've finished it and sent it to Dwayne, and Dwayne doesn't rest until he gets it out, because that's part of what we do in this ministry. So don't take those things lightly. Read them and contemplate what you receive. They're not many words, but I promise you they're from the throne room. We don't just put out jargon. We very seriously approach the Lord for what his word and his message is for you for us, for me. This is about getting bigger than the bear. Let's watch it a moment, please. What's got mom so terrified? A huge bear, and it's chasing the family's golden doodle. But don't worry, dad appears, and he knows exactly how to handle this crisis. He makes himself big and roars. Looks like it worked, no bear. And put the lights back up, please. And of course, you'd be foolish to go chase a bear, right? Unless you're bear hunting, and uh, that, then, then go for it. But if you get caught up to where you don't know what to do, this is what I wrote to you. And I said, so you're out in the forest, and you're just taking a stroll, trying to waste the time away, and all of a sudden, a large, really large brown bear bursts out of the brush, looks your way, breaks into a gallop and charges at you. Uh-oh, mouth open, huge teeth showing, growling. Think fast, what do you do? And then of course the message from Pastor Frank, get bigger than the bear. And there's a message in Deuteronomy 31.6 that the Lord spoke to the Israelites as they were trying to determine and gather strength to take the land that he had promised them. How many of you know that you have a lot of promises in the word of God? How many of you know how many there are? Thousands and thousands. Some say seven, some say 10,000, some say 13,000. All I can tell you is that this, the word of God is living and whatever you need, when you go there, 
you find the promise that you need at that moment. And it may be the same word, but it has a hundred different promises in it for you at different times in your life. Maybe it's a daily promise that all things work together for good to those who love God. And so no matter what happens a thousand times over in a given month or year, everything's working for your good. That promise multiplied and multiplied to where you can't even put a number on it. And so here's what the Lord spoke in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. And he had this spoken through Moses. And he said, be strong and of good courage. Notice the word is also courageous. Be strong and courageous. Don't just have a faith that is passive. Have an active faith, a courageous faith. Do not fear. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. He's talking about their enemies. He's talking about the giants in the land. He's talking about those foreigners and strangers that they had never yet been able to, to, to have to uh, counter. So they had this fear. How many of you know that one of the greatest fears is the fear of the unknown? <laughs> huh? You're sent into a foreign country. You don't know anybody, and especially if it's not a friendly country, it's hard to overcome that fear. Take it from me. Especially when you know they really don't want you to be there. Especially when you know there's enemies in that place that would be, feel as if they've served their God to kill you because you're there proselytizing. You're in strange land, the fear of the unknown. He's telling them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the unknown. Don't be afraid of those. Don't be terrified. Why? For the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, say the Lord, your God, my God, my God, my God, he goes with you. He goes with me. He is the one who goes with you. And he takes it a little bit further. He said, when the bear stands up, don't worry about it. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Get big. Get big with me. Get big. Now, I'm speaking to a lot of you. You're making some decisions. Some of you are watching me right now. And you're trying to decide whether to do something or not to do something, whether to believe one remedy or not a remedy and whatever it is. But this much do believe in that he who's inside of you is greater than whatever that problem is. And you can get big with him. You don't have to get big by yourself. You know, medicine's a wonderful thing, but by itself, it's not big, is it? It just is, it's just sustaining, it's trying to overcome stuff. But when you get big with whatever you're doing with God, now God is there working it. I've encouraged many people, don't be afraid of medicine, if that's what you need and it's coming, but make sure that your reliance is on God. God with the medicine. You know, the Lord has all kind of remedies, doesn't he? We know about natural remedies. Some of you are very good at it. My wife, she, you know, she slammed her finger the other day. It was my fault. And she ran in the house and she took Arnica, right? And uh, it, right away, the swelling was better by the next morning. And, and I got out of the doghouse and I thanked the Lord for him and the Arnica. And she put the Arnica and I said the prayers. I put my hand on her finger and I thanked the Lord. I said, do whatever you got to do, Lord, to get me out of this problem. <laughs> and he did. You see, our God is a good God, not just a good God because we have a song and we want to believe that, you know, everything that God does is good. That's all good. He's a good God because he relishes the fact 
of winning the battle with you. God gets off on that. You understand that? All in the scriptures and in the Bible, we can understand that the Lord loves to be victorious in you. In you. He can be victorious all by himself. He could destroy the earth. He could, he could drown everybody in it's done that and been there. He can cause earthquakes and shakings and storms and all those kind of things. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can remove evil people. He can put people in place. God can do all of that, but he really relishes is being victorious with you. He likes it when your faith is active and walking with him. So let's, let's dig into a few things. And I'm not going to get very far in it today, so if he allows me, I'll build on it again next week. I made up my mind I wasn't going to rush, but this I will share with you. I sort of locked myself in my office yesterday for a long time, came home late as to my wife's disciples because she had made dinner and I wasn't there and I was late and didn't care about it and forgot time. And I got timeless with God in these things and in some other things. Myself and Prophet Monty, we had about an hour-long prayer time together, just prophesying and praying and seeing the things of God in our lives and, and in the kingdom of God and letting the downloads come, the deep downloads and releasing ourselves from, from the, the conforming of, of religion and things going on. And it was good. And I said, Lord, you gave me so much. I mean, he gave me so much. I said, I, I want to give it all. He said, well, son, sometimes you try to give it all at once, so slow down a little bit and practice what you preach. Time isn't going to control me. We're timeless, right? So I received a lot of stuff. But I'm not going to give it all to you today. I'm just going to try to do it and hope you get excited with it. One of them is 1 Peter 5, verse 7. I just want to lay a foundation with a couple scriptures as we get into some of the other stuff that's a little more fun, maybe. 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, boldly choose. It says, fear not, you can trust me, right? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So my point to you is, choose each day to live with hope. How do you do that? You have to cast your stuff upon him or else you're not living with hope. If you're carrying it, you can't be hopeful for it, can you? So you have to cast it. And it begins to give you a joy and a peace. And you remember what he said, be strong, be courageous, I'm with you. First Peter 5, verses eight and 10 now. He goes on and he says, be sober, be vigilant. Well, that word vigilant means what? It means to be careful. It means to be watching out for possible danger or difficulties. You see, when things are going good, that's when we let our guard down. But that's when our guard should be up the most. We're relishing God, but at the same time, we're keeping our shield of faith strong because we know that that's when we become vulnerable when we think everything's just wonderful. It's wonderful to have a good day, and it's better to have a good day and stay vigilant. You know, in my walk and in my life, when people flatter me a lot, my antennas go up. Do you know the most I've been flattered in this church are the people that flattered me one week and left the next? That's a fact. I wish it was funny. It's true. So when they start flattering me, I tell my wife, oh, my God, I think they're leaving. 
She goes, what? I said, I don't know. That's how it happens. They flatter me. They flatter me. Then they start moving and they get further back in the church and pretty soon they're out the door. That's the truth. That's the truth. So you would say, oh, man, I feel wonderful. I said, oh, that's wonderful, but what's going on? I'm vigilant. I'm watching. And then my heart as the shepherd says, what can I do to help them? Because maybe they're crying out to me something else and I'm not hearing it. Help them. Be vigilant. When the good stuff starts to happen, be really vigilant. And, and in this instance, Peter cries out, be sober. Be sober. He's not talking about don't take drugs and, and, and don't be drunk. That too. But what he's talking about is to have humility, to understand the moment and the time that you're in. And to understand that just because you're in a place that maybe you're in a better place than you were, it doesn't mean that all of those predators against your well-being and your salvation aren't still out there. How many of you know a predator doesn't care about who you are and what you are? Hmm? You have to get bigger than the bear. The predator is going to come. The bear is going to come. You've got to get bigger than the bear. And so, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. We use the word walk. Walk in faith. You have to walk in faith because the devil doesn't have passive faith. How many of you know the devil has faith? Huh? Oh, yeah. How many of you know he believes in God? The demons believe in God. They just don't obey him. The devil doesn't have to be convinced about God Almighty. He knows all about him. He got his tail salted and thrown out of heaven. He got his head smashed in hell by Jesus Christ. He knows the power of God. But yet he's still walking about as an adversary. And here we are with passive faith. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And he's dancing around you, you know, stinging like a butterfly and like a bee. And he's slap jabbing you, just going at it. And there you are. Oh, I got fucked. The devil's on me today. Whoa. Hey, you got to get bigger than the devil. You got to start walking about him and telling him what he's not and who he is. And then you run to the fire. What was one of the saddest things we saw in some of these child shootings at the schools recently? We saw cowering police officers hiding. They didn't run to the fire. They were afraid to get shot instead of using their training and doing what they were supposed to do. They didn't have the fire. Now, you know, we say, well, Frank, you know, we shouldn't say that. We haven't been in that position. I've been in a few positions in my life. Some of you have been in the military. I've had to run into some stuff. And I have to tell you, yeah, you've got to overcome some fear to do it. But then there's something that rises up inside of you because you have a cause. And when we commit to a cause, we need to keep our cause. And beloved, I'm going to lay it right on the line in this ministry. We have a very peculiar, special calling. You could run all over the earth. You're not going to hear the same calling. You're going to hear it in different ways, but it's not anointed for the same time in the same moment. Someday you'll look back and it'll all fall together for you. But we have a special calling to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And it's just not in words. It's just not in words. You can put on all the television that you want. You can watch all the major ministries that you want. That anointing is falling upon this house and these people. And it's spreading with peculiar people. And with it comes a special anointing to prepare the way. You have to have an anointing. Without the anointing, you can't operate. You could just have mere words. And what is that anointing? That anointing is to prepare the way. How? By changing hearts, by calling for repentance. You can't call for repentance without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's just religion. But there's a special anointing that God gives for special times and dispensations. And that anointing is pouring out. And Monty and I were relishing in it yesterday, and we were calling deep things down. A special baptism that's coming upon the people of God. Not a different baptism than in the water or a different baptism in the fire, but a special anointing in the fire to overcome and to prepare the way. You can't get that taught in a school. You can't appropriate that in a school. Schools are good, but don't go to a school looking to be changed. The Lord is changing through anointing. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that feeds the mantle. And there's a time and a place for all things. And so we're in that time and we're in that place. And I feel it, I feel it moving ever so faster and stronger. There's an internal stirring inside of me. I can't rest with it, but yet I'm resting with it. I find that I need to move in time, but yet I'm grasping onto a timeless mindset, realizing that God will provide the seat at the table where he needs to when the time comes and he has to. Sometimes we think we have to hear some more, get some more, feed some more, when the truth of the matter is we have to eat what we already have. We have to honor what we have. We have to serve what we have. We have to be available to what we have. And we have to wait and allow the Lord to do what he does. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around seeking whom he may devour. I've told you before, and I'm going to tell you again, I like it under this. Demons and principalities, they go off of senses. They poke you to provoke a reaction. Is she afraid? Did I get her? Ah! How many of you know that it's the right side of the brain that processes the fears? Hmm? Right side of the brain processes the fears. You got to take control of the right side of your brain. Those fears become, how do you do it? You let the left side tell the right side what to do. You train it up already. You begin to speak out. Ah, I'm afraid. Get me out of here. I want out right now. The left side's got to say, shut up. Be still. Run into your fear. And you'll find out that fear doesn't exist anymore. And you know what else you'll find out? As you overcome that fear, it can't get you again. It doesn't poke you the same way. But it'll keep poking you until you overcome it. And so what do we do? We procrastinate. By nature, we're procrastinators, old nature. Yeah, I'm just going to hold on in faith. And it's going to come again, but I'm holding on in faith. By God, I'm just holding on. By the grace of God, I'm going to take another smack in the nose, but I'm holding on. No, you grab it, you shake it. You look at that bear, you get bigger than it, and you say, no, 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 we're done with this game. We're not playing this anymore. Get out of my way in Jesus' name. Move aside. We're done with this. And you have this 
this whole banquet of food to eat. You have all this medicine. You have all these natural spiritual herbs. You just open it up and you go to the scripture. God promises restoration. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, this is Ezekiel, I just opened it up, 12. Verse 16, chapter 11. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be in them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come from. It's all here. It's everywhere. There was a time I played roulette Bible. I was new in the Lord. I just opened it up and boom, the scripture was right there. There was a time I preached roulette Bible. I'm being honest. Some of you are giggling. You did the same thing. You still do it sometimes. I say, what, what you got, Lord? Ha! Didn't work too well when I opened up the book of Job. Early on in my walk, I started reading that and I, I had to fight depression really strong. I didn't even like the ending of it until I got to the real end of it when he restored everything unto him. But, you know, that's a pretty sad walk to get to that walk. Lose all your family, lose your children. I mean, the things are one thing, but lose all your family, lose everybody getting killed. And, and, and then God restored him. How do you restore dead people that are gone? It was like, no, Lord, I don't, I don't want that. It's, it's better to go to the book of John, start reading that one. That's a good one if you're going to play the roulette, right? Sometimes you, 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 you sort of crack it just above Malachi, so you stay a little out of the Old Testament. You know what I mean? Stay out of that law and get into that grace because there's always something at the end of the grace that's a good word. Jesus never left anybody condemned and judged. He came to fulfill the law. And he always gives us a way out. <laughs> Be strong, have courage. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. You see, that's, that's where we get stuck. We think that all we have to do is resist, but we go a step further. You see, resisting means to what? Have, have that passive faith. I'm resisting. I'm, Jesus, look at me. I'm resisting. Peter, look at I got it. I'm resisting. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Well, that's great news, but who wants to leave it there? But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Remember this. The writers of the Bible are expressing with the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, it's all true, it's an errant word, but they're expressing their experiences. Paul said, I got unspeakable things I can't even tell you. Paul said, I, you know, the Lord told me, I tell him to take this away. He said, my grace is enough for you. And so we sort of settle into that. We settle into that and we say, well, I'm gonna be like Paul, I'm gonna be like 
Peter. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and have this sustaining faith that allows me to be passive and just suffer because that's fellowship of sufferings. But we forget what Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I might know him, know all of God, know all about God, know everything that God is, know all of his promises, know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that I might know the power. You see, I love Peter, but when I see him, I'm going to say, Peter, it would been better if you added another line to the end of that. But you have the power to overcome it. Because in the Bible, it tells me I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. These are those who have overcome, not have just sustained, overcome. Overcomers don't just hold a line of defense, they charge. And they take the hill, they take the mountain. They take authority, they hold the land. And then they go for more, till the battle is won. Be careful, be careful where you stop your journey. Be careful. I'm calling from experience that I got a lot more to learn. I went a long time thinking as long as I sustain, I didn't even pray anymore about overcoming it. Now I realize that my declarations, they're like battle cries. It's not begging God to overcome it. I'm putting on the full armor of God. I'm taking that sword and I'm running into the fire. And while I'm going, hey, diamond giants, I'm getting you. I'm chopping your head off. It's time for you to go down, get out. Screaming at him, not cowering. <laughs> We're a different kind of church. I'm a different kind of guy. I'm not for everybody. I don't care. Everybody's not for me. But this I know. You're going to see, as I'm seeing, more and more anointing coming out to prepare the way. And it's in power. It's in power. And there's a fresh repentance being released on the earth. And a fresh anointing being released on the earth. And there's being added another force of power into the baptism of the fire for us to minister. And we are those who minister in the flame, not outside the flame. Hear what I say to you. We are those who minister in the flame. Many will stay outside the flame. I don't know how lukewarm they'll become, but they'll become. Can we turn the lights off a second? I want you to play that video that I took so crudely last night off the television. This is probably one of the most starkest on time, fearful, dreadful, sad, sacrilegious of the false church that was all over the news yesterday. Let's see it. A leader of the Church of England is taking issue with the words, Our Father, and the Lord's Prayer. During a general meeting, the Archbishop of York said, quote, the word father is problematic for those whose experiences of earthly fathers has been destructive and abusive 
and for all of us has labored rather too much from any oppressively patriarchal grip on life, if you can believe that. His remarks come as the Church of England considers phasing out gender when referring to God. Put the lights back up. <clears throat> I don't want to play it again and use your time. I'm just going to tell you what it said. This Archbishop of England, Archbishop, the Church of England, that's their church. The fealty that the King of England just swore was to that church. No wonder England's all messed up. We could be too very quickly. There's more mosques in England than there are churches now. You know that. The mayor of London's a Muslim. Mm -hmm. This pompous idiot stood up and declared to his people that God is not Father. And said, we can't be gender-izing God anymore. But yet Jesus says in John 15 and 13, the Father sent me. You don't know the Father, and you don't know me because you don't know the Father. This guy needs to know the Father. He doesn't know God, but yet he speaks the things of God. What kind of church is it? Isn't that the church we told would be happening in these last days? You see, son, that's why I tell you we need to evangelize the church. The church needs people that know who we are, where we're at, what we're supposed to do because the body of Christ is sick. So sick that I don't even want to call that my brother in the body of Christ. Am I angry with him? I'm absolutely angry with him. You know why? Because he's one who swore his fealty to this. He took an oath as a bishop to God. A bishop's an overseer. A bishop is beyond a pastor who's willing to do whatever he needs to do for the shepherds so they can be shepherds. Look what this guy's doing. Shame on him. It's shameful. But guess what? It's happening all over the place. Non-denominational, spirit-filled churches saying we don't need to be gender-specific anymore. Our Father who art in heaven. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father. Not my, what are you, God? Not she, not who, not what. Not that I don't want to embarrass anybody. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm not made in the image. You're not made in the image of a what if. We know who we are and whose image we're made in. And we understand that we are to hallow that name. Not profane that name, but hallow that name. But beloved, I shout this to you so I wake you up. You see the time that we're in, it's not waiting for it to come, it's here! It's here! Your calling isn't about to happen, it's right now! What are you gonna do? You're gonna start running into the fire. You're gonna call sin, sin. You're not gonna compromise. You might get rejected, so what? You might get persecuted, bring it on! You're not gonna scare us, you're not gonna intimidate us, we're coming right at you. In the name of the Father, be strong and be courageous, for your Lord is with you, and he will never forsake you, he shall never leave you. Hey!
Hey! Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> I could add some more names to that. And you know what? I'm beyond that point where I'm cutting them slack. I'm calling them out. No, no, it took me a while to get there. Because you know why? Because we're lovey-dovey Christians. We want to give everybody grace. But you know, let me ask you something. You're the father. I'm looking at some mamas and some fathers. Somebody grabs your child and shakes that child. Oh, how are you going to react? Oh, please stop doing that. I'm so sorry you did that. You're going to grab your child from them. What you do with them after that, only God knows. How do you think the Father is in heaven when a man wearing a cloth stands up and says the Father's not the Father? It's no different than Dagon. It's no different than Goliath crying out to the, the gods of Dagon, the gods of Gath, and saying, where is the God of Israel? This guy's crying out and saying, where's the God of Israel? He's about to meet him. His days are numbered. His days are numbered. His days are numbered. These aren't the days to mess with the Father. For the Father releasing a new repentance, there's a new anointing to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. You don't do that by telling people that he's not Father God. Jesus came to serve the Father. He manifested the Father to us. He said, you don't know him. You don't know me because you don't know him. Your father is the devil. Who's this guy's father? Oh, ain't no brother of mine. Now let me take you a step further. I ministered with the Archbishop of England in South America. Was it 1992? South Africa, what, what day, what, what year? 1990-90, my wife said. Sweet man of God. He and I were the only two white faces in a reconciliation congress against apartheid. With Elisha Wamishwangani, one of the greatest evangelists of all time, very simple message, I'll send you to him, son, you'll learn more. You know what it was? Christ and Christ crucified, because he had the anointing. When the anointing came down, the place went nuts. Helped to evangelize South America. We met each other for 10 minutes. He said, man of God, I want you to come to South America. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, go with the man of God. I said, why man of God? He said, I want you to help bring peace for apartheid, for a Congress, South Africa. This was before it happened. I didn't have a choice because the Lord said, go. I went, boy, did I feel out of water. It was the only white face except for the Archbishop of England. He sure knew the father. He wasn't that dog. He was a real man of God. We cried, we prayed together, we humbled ourselves. We asked the Lord to make up for our inadequacies. We asked him to give us the right words. How could, who were we to dare to speak about anything to those people, to those pastors? How dare us be those? But yet the man of God asked me to come. 
I sat and I listened. I listened to the militancy. I listened to the hurt. I listened to the anger. I listened to Dr. Perkins. Dr. Perkins had beaten, left for dead in Alabama during the worst times and the worst days. Scourged, put in jail for nothing, just missed being lynched. Still, wounds in his body that never healed. He was hurt and angry, and he went on just before me, and all of that came out. And anger came in those pastors and in their wives and in those activists, whole Congress of them. I said, Lord, what am I gonna do? You know what the Lord told me? He said, son, I told you your day would come when you would repeach a new repentance upon the earth. My son, dig deep to it. I went up, I began to cry. I said, all I could do is cry. <laughs> Sir, I can only cry, I'm so sorry that our country did that to you and to others. Who am I? I said, but that's not me. It's not me. We ended up crying together on the altar, he and I, my wife and his wife, repenting together, repenting for racism, repenting for the abuses, the slave trades, repenting for Africa. And there on another knee, his arm around me was the Archbishop of England crying with me, praying with me. That's a true man of God. That dog is not a man of God. If he'd have been on that altar, I'd have thrown him off because it's the love of the Father. We must turn the hearts to the love of the Father. That's why this whole gender rising thing is coming from the pit of hell. Don't you see it? It's a destroy the father. It's a destroy the family. It's a destroy the nucleus, which goes all the way back to Genesis 1 and 3. It's a destroy the household. It's a destroy the core of our faith. It's a destroy the image of the father. It's to make us dysfunctional. You and I were the stopgaps and all who will listen. Beloved, great men of faith, the words men and Daniel, but it's men and women, are falling and are going to fall. Read the word. To purify them. Some will be purified and be white, others will reject and continue to walk in their arrogance and pride, unrepentant. For me, I don't want to be joined to anybody who's unrepentant. Let me walk with the marshmallow. Let me walk with the humble person. One thing I've learned to do a lot is to listen to sermons. How many times does somebody use the word I for their pronoun? How many times do they say God? How many times do they point at themselves? How many times do they decrease and increase Him? There's your repentance. There's your humility. There's the heart of God. There's the anointing for this hour and this time. I've got so much more.
There's a lot going on inside of me right now. The Lord and I are having a lot of talks. Things are happening in this earth and in the kingdom and they're about to pour out through some of us. What will we do? Jesus woke up out of the boat. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Feel the presence of the Lord so high I could barely speak. children of Israel the children of Israel the children of Israel they had the temple in the wilderness they kept the they kept the holy days. And they kept the sacrifices. But they disobeyed God. Their lives didn't mirror the faith. And the Lord filled the land with serpents. poisonous snakes that when they bit them they died immediately Moses a Gael a deliverer for the time he pled to God stop the snakes The Lord said, Moses, make the head of a serpent out of bronze. Put it on a pole. And whoever's bit by the snake, when they look upon it, they shall live. There's a lot of snake-bitten church people preaching, taking others the way they go that are snake-bitten. Be careful. You look upon Jesus. That was the shadow of Jesus, the deliverer. You look upon him, and there's healing. You don't lift him up and look upon him, you die. Lord, I preached in your name. Lord, I healed in your name. 
Lord, I served you for 50 years. <laughs> Depart, I'm faithful when I don't know you. to be careful what I release right now. I got a phone call three days ago from someone who interviewed me a lot in the past, published my stuff. Said, what are you hearing? Are you hearing? I said, yeah. He said, I want to do an interview with you. I said, no. He said, why? He said, because I fear God. And I need to be spot on and precise and it needs to be his timing, but it's coming. This much I can tell you. In the next three, three and a half years, things are going to get very chaotic very chaotic. The old ways aren't going to work. And all the plans of ministries and man are going to be shaken. And those who know their God, they'll do great exploits. And the others, I don't know. I don't know. It's time to lift them up like never before. And it's time to defend Father and fatherhood in the image. It's time for us not to just boycott goods, but boycott false shepherds. It's time for false shepherds and unrepentant shepherds to be called out for their own good. I'm going to close with this. And I hope to get to it next week because it's good. Maybe you'll get an insight to David and Goliath like you never had before, like I did yesterday. When David's father summoned him from the pastures, said, take these victuals, this food, these gifts down to your brothers. They're preparing for battle. Philistines. The armies are up in array. Take these foods to them. Do you know the first thing David did? Hmm? He set an attendant over the sheep. He not his father, set an attendant over the sheep to make sure the sheep were taken care of while he went to do what his father bid him to do. And then he walked into destiny. We're attendants, beloved. I'm an attendant. I take it very serious. I take it very serious. Do you?
I pledge this to you. I'll do my best. I'll do my best to train you up. I'll do my best to give you what I have. I don't know if it's enough for you or not, but I can only give it to you if you want it and you're here. But this I know. Times, they are changing. They are changing. It's going to be radical. Very radical. Mark my time. Three and a half years. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. I'm emptied out. With a little more guidance from the Lord, I'll be announcing a few things in the very near future. Pray with me as I pray with you. Some demands that's being put upon me that probably be put upon you. Some things that I want to release and give as I have the time to do it yet. But this I encourage you to do. Get real with yourself. Get real with your faith. Be selective. Be very selective. Guard what you eat and drink. Be careful. Be vigilant. Protect this with all that you have. And rest. Rest in the Lord. Timeless mindset in time. Got it? Timeless mindset in time. If you want that teaching, just let Dwayne know. I did a couple weeks on it. It's important. It's a word for the time. A timeless mindset in time is foundational to becoming an overcomer right now to prepare the way. Amen. Ralph, if you'd take the offering, and Patty, if you'd close us, please. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you.